0: Would you stand with me? we're going to make our confession, and um, I'd just like to say this too, you. if you're here tonight, how many of you would like to have over and above? You know what the Lord told me, just be an over and above giver. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like if you want corn, you plant corn. If you want beans, you plant beans. If you want over and above, be over and above. You know, and, and that doesn't have to be, you know, finances all the time. It can be something you have that somebody has, else has need of that could go in a garage sale. But God says, why don't you take that over and give that to somebody? And we're thinking, well, I could make a few bucks off of that. You'll make nothing compared to what you'll receive if you give. And so I just share that with you. If you're looking to have an over, above life, over and above life, be an over and above giver amen amen well let's pick up our bibles make this confession and then we'll share the word tonight we all say this together if you're here visiting it's up on the screen we just we lift up the word to declare what we believe and that's a good thing to know what we believe let's say it the word of god is truth if i live the word i will be blessed if i don't i won't it's just that simple turn to somebody say it's so simple yeah it's just hard to mix it up hallelujah and you can be seated Well, I'm going to share tonight, next Sunday, and the following Wednesday on timing. Everybody say timing. Timing. When we were going on vacation, God began to speak to me some about timing, and he's just continued to reveal things to me, and, and I'm going to be sharing from the Word of God, and I'm also going to be sharing things out of Pastor Bill's in my life to give you examples of how God's timing operates in our life. And, you know, I see so many people over the years as I've ministered uh, that, that didn't fulfill the will of God in their life for a multitude of reasons, but a lot of times it's over timing. Everybody say timing. They've, you know, they've heard from God what God's going to do in their life, and then they try to make it happen. You know, you can't fix God's timing. God has a time. And, and so, you know, because of that, then they felt like God really wasn't going to do what he said he was going to do. And it's because they tried to do it out of God's timing. And then they got discouraged, disappointed. And then they just kind of threw in the towel and never went fully after the will of God. Or those that have waited until they think they're ready. How many of you ever said, I'll do that when I, when I know I'm ready? That means, you know, it's kind of like people who say, I'm going to have a baby when I get everything I need to take care of the baby. How many of you know that'll never happen? Hallelujah. And uh, God knows that. So some of you've had some babies sprung on you out of season. Hallelujah. In your timing, but God knows the time and the seasons and all those things that concern us. And I think tonight and Sunday and Wednesday, if you will be here, God, through the word of God, we are going to hear how we can live in the perfect will of God and not be frustrated, not be in a hurry. How many of you ever heard somebody say, but I got to get it done because Jesus is coming. (laughs) Well, God knows when Jesus is coming and he is the only one who knows. And so if he's spoken something into your heart, it's his business to get you there, not yours. Isn't that a relief? Everybody say, whew. You know, because I've heard people say, you know, I got to get this done because God, God said Jesus is coming soon. I mean, I've I hear everybody the the prophets are saying that Jesus is coming soon, and God told me this to do. And if I don't hurry up and get it done, God makes His plans come to fruition. He is the one who does that. And so, as we listen to this, I believe all of you are going to be blessed. Can you turn to Ecclesiastes three one? On Saturday night, I was in here worshiping, and on Sunday we sang this song. In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Everybody say, in his time. And so as we look at this tonight, if things aren't so beautiful, you might want to take this message and listen again. Because God makes all things beautiful in his time. And sometimes the things he's doing in our life are for his time. But we don't like them because they're not for our time. Are you getting that? It's awful silent in the house tonight. Everybody awake? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. I thank you that they are here by divine appointment that you brought them here tonight, those that are visiting with us, that you're not here by accident, you're not here for the reasons maybe even you think you're here, but God brought you here so that he could encourage you with his word and build you up and send you out of here believing for better than what you had when you came here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. And we're going to look at this. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible, but this is what the word of God says. The message is, does God really care? Does God really care about timing? Is that even an interest of his? This scripture confirms exactly what God cares about. To everything, everybody say everything, everything. There is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. God is a purpose God. You know the book Purpose Driven? How many of you ever heard of that book, Purpose Driven? Well, God is purpose driven, and he has a purpose for you. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain, a time to lose. A time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence. Now listen, I asked the Lord what to preach on Sunday and he said this is the title, Keep Silent. So all of you here who have that problem of not being able to keep silent, you might want to attend on Sunday. God's working on me, I'll just share it with you, hallelujah, and then we'll all decide what to do. But there is a time to keep silence. Isn't that amazing? There is a time when we're not supposed to be talking. A time to speak. There are times when we need to speak. And God has those times arranged. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. It goes on and says, What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift of God. Now the man who wrote this according, you know, to most scholars is Solomon. Some have some other opinions, but you know Solomon uh really didn't have such a good ending to the beginning of his life. But uh at the end of his life, I think he finally began to look at life and say anything that's not of God is vanity. Because mostly this whole book is about vanity, which means that, that if we're not doing things that God has given us to do, then what we're doing is in vain. Uh, pastor Billy Joe Doherty, who lived in, who, as was our pastor in Tulsa, lived in Tulsa, grew up in Arkansas. And as a high school young man got saved, ended up at ORU. Had an open vision. The Lord showed him people going through life. You know, they went through school. They graduated, went to college, got a degree, worked got a house, got a boat, went to the lake, uh, had children, had grandchildren, lived and, and retired, sat in their house, you know, just waiting, you know, till the end of their life. And they died. And the Lord said to him, you can have that or you can have what I have for you. You know, life is more than just what we do right here on the earth. Not that having things, not that having a house, not that having children and doing all the things that we do in our lifetime aren't important because a lot of those things are, we're ordained to do through God. But our focus is on this fact. We have to know what God wants us to do. And there's a time for everything. Everybody say there's time for everything. We're living in a society today where there's never enough time. How many of you would say there's just seems like there I need more hours. And you know the Lord said to me, you need to simplify what you're doing. If you think you need more time because I know there's 24 hours to a day, I made the day. So if I need more hours than God put in it, I have the problem, not God. Amen. And so that helps us begin to identify this timing issue that we're all dealing with on a regular basis. God says he has made everything, everything beautiful in his time and so as we look at this tonight i was thinking of our lives it says in psalm 139 16 and we read this last week he says your eyes were this is the psalmist speaking to the lord your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them how many of you have ever felt like you know my life is just worthless it's not going anywhere Not in God's sight. It says your days were fashioned by him. He's the one who designed you. He made you for a purpose, a plan. And we preach that all the time in this church. There's a plan for your life, encouraging people to get where God wants them to be. You may be here today and say, you know, something went wrong with my plan. Well, you're still sitting here. Are you breathing? Look at your neighbor. Are they breathing? Well, then there's still time. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's still time. It's not over till it's over. It's not over yet. Amen. And so as we hear this message tonight, begin to think about your life. In Jeremiah 29:11, I was asking my grandson what scripture he learned in uh, Bible school this week in, uh, in VBS. And he says, oh, it was really long. This one was really long. I think it was Joseph 42. I don't know. He gave me a bunch of numbers. I said, well, <laughs> number one, Joseph's in there, but he's not a book. And, uh, And so he said, well, it's something to do with plans. And so I was talking to him about this scripture, which says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He said, well, my part was thoughts. <laughs> I know that part thoughts. And, and so we were talking about that scripture and I told him, he's eight years old, you know, God thinks about you and he has a plan for you and he's going to show you what his, what his plan is for your life because he wants you to be able to do all those things because they'll bring you great joy. You know, we were talking about this scripture. Well, that's the truth about all of you. If God had a plan and a future for you and there's hope turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay. It's still okay because God is still God, and He isn't finished with the work that He's going to do in your life. First Corinthians nine two nine 9 and 10. This scripture really helped me when God began to speak to me in my life about things He had planned for my life. I had made a lot of mistakes. Probably none of you here today have made mistakes, but I had made enough for all of us. So if you didn't, I've, I've made most of them. By the time I was uh, 30, I was divorced twice. I had Three children, I was trying to make things work. I got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and I still made mistakes. Now, that probably isn't any of you for sure. But with me, I had a lot to learn as I grew in the Lord. And God began to speak to me. And this is what uh, one of the scriptures he began to speak to me in First Corinthians 9. It says, as it is written... I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them. Everybody say he's revealed them to us. God has revealed them to us. See, the old covenant scripture was eye has not seen nor ear heard, and nobody could know, only the prophets. But in the new covenant, this is the blessing of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and this is what Paul says. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Inside of you is the voice of the living God speaking to your spirit what God has planned for you. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of the secrets of God on the inside of us. And he knows where we're going, even when we don't. But like God, the Holy Spirit only reveals what God gives him a release to reveal. How many of you would like to know the whole deal? The whole thing. You know, we think we want to know the whole thing. I can remember in August of about 1979... And God spoke to me and he said, you will go around the world and you will carry a torch in your hand and you will preach the gospel and the light of that torch will be my love and people will feel it. You will sing and preach the word of God. I was a basket case. And I thought that will never happen to me. God has dialed the wrong number and I am not, I'm not—I'm on the wrong end of the line. Because my life, nobody would have wanted me to do all of those things. So when I heard that, Everybody say 1979. This is 2010. That's a lot of years in between. God's done a lot of things in my life in between. But do you know what? That was what God had fashioned from me, for me from my mother's womb. Now, I took a lot of detours. How many of you have ever been on a detour? That's when God goes straight and you went left or right or wherever you went. Well, you you know, God isn't going to come on your left or right. you got to come back to God and get right and go again. God God never leaves us or forsakes us. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. But God's plan for you goes just like this. And you've got to stay connected to that plan in order to be in the timing of God when you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be. I was looking at this, and I want to just give you like four scriptures here. In Genesis 18, 14, this is what the angel of the Lord said to Sarah when he approached her in Genesis eighteen fourteen, considering the birth of Isaac. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord at the... At what time? So God has a appointed time. I will return to you according to the time of life. What would that be according to the time of life? The time it takes to have a baby. Nine months. I will come back and Sarah shall have a son. See, a lot of people think God doesn't understand time. Oh, God God understands time. You know, uh, God is in the Bible, it says uh, uh, one day is as a thousand years to the Lord. So some people think he's slow. No, he, he does understand our time system. He created it, okay? If this is what it says, what he said to Noah. You know, when he was, Noah spent all this time building an ark. Can you imagine how ridiculous he looked building that ark? I mean, read the dimensions of that thing. It was gigantic. He's building an ark. Everybody's doing whatever they want to do. They're living in total sin, totally against God. He's building an ark. But one day God says to him, okay, I'm getting ready to move. Everybody say ready to move. It was the appointed time. And he says, this is just a part of what he said. For after seven more days, he comes to him. He said, get everybody on the ark and put them on in twos. Why is he telling him it's getting ready to rain? It's getting ready to rain. And he said, For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. God knows time. After seven days, it's going to be 40 days and 40 nights. If you read the word of God, God is on a timetable. And he is sending his son right on time. Jesus is coming again. I mean, all these things, if you read the word of God, God did them just exactly as he said. Now, we know that there's nowhere in the word of God that it tells us when Jesus is coming again. But we have a promise he is. And the same God who said, after seven more days, I will cause it to rain. And then for 40 days and 40 nights, it is going to rain, is the same God who said, he is coming again. I will send him again. And our only part, it says, is to keep oil in our lamps and keep the wicks trimmed. That means be on top of what's going on, know what's going on, and be full of oil. Be full of the Holy Spirit of God, listening and following what God has for us to do. And then we'll be right on time. Everybody say, right on time. I'll tell you what, you don't want to miss the coming of Jesus. You don't want to not be saved when that happens. Hallelujah. And you don't want any of your relatives to not be saved. And it's going to happen. It's in the time frame Of God, it says in in Genesis forty-five, seven. Some of you think, "Boy, all these bad things happened to me. I can't even imagine I'm on the timing of God." Well, Joseph heard that he, you know, was the special child. Uh, His his problem was he told everybody that he was the special child, and then right after that, he wasn't so special to them, and uh, he ended up in a prison and he went through a lot of things, but it was all on God's timetable. Because when it was the appropriate time, Joseph in prison, he tried to get a couple of people to tell the king I'm in here, you know, let me out. One forgot about him, but the other remembered right on, right on time because the king had a dream. Joseph came up, interpreted the dream. Right on time, seven years of famine, seven years of harvest before the seven years of famine. And when it all came down to the very end of the story, and this is in Genesis 45, 7, Joseph said to his brothers who were fearful that Joseph would kill them because of what they had done to him, throwing him in that pit. He said, God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He was there on time. Everybody say on time. How many of you felt like, wow, the way I'm going is certainly cannot be the will of God. I want to tell you, hardship is not necessarily a sign you're not in the will of God. Sometimes hardship is a part of the plan that God is using for your life. And in that place, what's important is that you learn everything you're supposed to learn there. My husband's often said, you know, you're only a fool if you don't learn from your mistakes. Making mistakes doesn't make you a fool. Not learning from your mistakes <laughs> makes us foolish. Because I can guarantee if you don't learn the first time, you get to do it again. How many of you are seasoned in that? Hallelujah. How many of you know you don't get it the first time? You might get another chance. Esther, for such a time as this, the whole nation of, is, of, of the Jews could have been destroyed. And she was there, the, that Mordecai, her cousin said, you're here for such a time as as this. I tell you, every one of you, no matter when you were born, you are in the earth for such a time as this. Turn to your neighbor say, you are in the earth for such a time as this. Now, you may be here today and say, wow, she doesn't know what, who I am or what I'm doing. That that doesn't bother me or concern me because I know the word of God. And God created you for a purpose. You have a future and a hope. And you are in the earth for such a time as this. Because God doesn't leave anybody out of the plan. We all get to participate. Amen? Whether, whether we want to or not is our choice. But if we choose to, we can participate. Now, I want to read to you First Samuel. I was looking at this. Uh, I'm reading anyway in the book. Through the Bible again this year and, and I'm in this part of scripture And God sometimes uses where I'm at To help me in the messages that he gives me But this is um, How many of you remember King Saul That God anointed king Only Saul was disobedient to God He ended up losing his kingship And in, in 1 Samuel Everybody say 1 Samuel In 1 Samuel 16 uh, God appointed Samuel To anoint someone else king But Saul was king Now, this is important in timing. Everybody say timing. See, because sometimes God anoints people for what they're going to do when somebody else is in charge and not them. Uh, You really need to listen up here. This is important. Because in that place, David is a great example of how you live when God anoints you for something that he's not telling you to do today. And this is how a lot of people miss the will of God and the timing of God. David was, uh, was just a young boy. He was 15. And Saul, or, came, or Samuel came because Saul had failed. God said, I want you to go anoint this young man. Long story short, he was just a shepherd boy. He was the youngest of the children. And, and, but yet God wanted him. Everybody say, God wanted him. God chose him. And it says in verse 13 of 16 of 1 Sam, Samuel, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brother's and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel uh, arose and went to Ramah. Okay, David has now been chosen of God to be king. But do you know when he got to be king? 15 years later, when he was 30, he got to be king of only Judah, because Judah and had departed from israel the tribes had split ten were over here two over here, and they split and so he became the king of judah and that's in second everybody say second samuel now we went from first samuel all the chapters after 16 to second samuel to this chapter before he gets to be king and i'm telling you we don't have time tonight to go all through what he went through but it was not a fun journey Amen. It was not an easy time of it for him. And all the time he was already in God's sight anointed to be that King, but there was a timing issue. Everybody say a timing issue. Now, why did God put him through all those things? Why did he have to walk through all of that? Why did he have to run from Saul? Why did, why did he have to be nice to Saul? You know, he even in the end, he killed the man who came and told him that Saul had died. And that this guy tried to take credit for it. He killed that man. How could you touch God's anointed? Well, he was God's anointed too. But he understood his position and he understood timing. Everybody say timing. And for whatever reason, I believe, after serving the Lord for as many years as I have, God was watching to be sure that he understood authority. He had to understand authority. You can never lead anybody in a great way until you understand authority. Because you have to know you're under authority of God and you don't get to choose you know it's very difficult in the position of authority because sometimes you want to let people do things and god says no don't let them do that and then you say but but you know it'll hurt their feelings but they like to do it but they want to do it it'll make it nice for them god says no they're not ready and you think but they think they're ready yeah they think they're ready but they're not ready And so God, it's a a timing issue. What he had to do with David was make sure no matter what happened, he would never disobey him in a situation where he gave an order to him. And only one time did he. We'll talk about that on another time. He did disobey God in one situation. But it was a timing issue. It was the time when kings were supposed to go to war. Everybody say the time. When kings were supposed to go to war and he didn't go to war. It was a timing issue. He didn't do what he was supposed to do in the timing of God. And when he didn't do it, he got himself in a position where the enemy could tempt him and destroy him. It's important to be on time with God. Everybody say, on time with God. So, here he is, it's 2 Samuel, it says, then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah, and they told David, saying, the men of Jabesh Gilead were the ones who buried Saul, and he went on and talked about that story. Then, in Second Samuel 5, 3, he finally is anointed king over Israel, and he's over all of those kingdoms. So, he finally does fulfill what Samuel said on that day back in 1 Samuel 16, but it took all that time. Everybody say all that time. How many of you have ever thought, you know, this is taking a long time? And I'm not really too happy about the road I'm on. I mean, it isn't the pleasantest thing either. But see, if, if you, you have to understand this, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. If you do not embrace where you are, you do not learn faith. And faith is what moves the hand of God. I'm convinced of this over the time that I've spent in the last, especially about 10 years. God operates through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So if let's look at Habakkuk 2. This is what it says in Habakkuk 2. Talking about with God, timing is everything. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it and... All all the people who read it, write it on the tablets and all the people who read it will be able to run with it. Number one, God is the one who speaks what we're supposed to believe and move toward. How many of you have ever had God say, this is what you're going to do. And you see this thing that looks impossible. Oftentimes people just let go, but God shows us for a purpose. Everybody say for a purpose. He has to get you involved with what he's going to do with you. But it isn't going to happen that day. Everybody say, "Oh." <laughs> How many of you like to happen today? How many of you ever pray for something? And God says, "Okay, take this trail." You think, "Why am I on this trail?" This trail has nothing to do with what I asked to do, but it has a purpose. Everybody say, "It has a purpose." It's in the timing of God, and He says, "Write it plainly." Uh, do you have that? Yeah. Then the Lord answered me and said, "Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it." Verse three: For the vision is yet for an. Everybody say a point in time. Now, I can tell you tonight, every one of you God has spoken to somewhere along the way. You say, I don't hear God. Yes, you hear God. Because God gives you the desires of your heart. How many of you have a few desires in your heart? Okay. Now, they may be yours. They may be God's. If they last a long, long time, they're usually God's. Okay, can that help you a little bit? And that's God. He puts that desire. That's God speaking to you. You may not hear an audible voice, but something on the inside of you says, I really want to do that. But I can't. Nobody would believe I could. Those are all the things that come against that thing that's of God. It's, that's why you have to write it. Everybody say, write it. So you write down what God says. A point in time, but at the end, it will speak. Everybody say, speak. It will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Verse 4. This is where people just shut the Bible. Behold the proud. Whoops, that's not, yeah, his soul is not upright in him. Why is that, why is that scripture there? Because pride has to do with us doing what God's told us rather than God doing what he's told us. And so what God is saying is, this is never going to be a work a work that you'll see prosper unless you live by, unless you live by faith. Okay, so how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. We take that to be the written word, which it is, and positive, and we need to read the word of God. But beyond that, what you wrote down is the word of God. And so God says, speak that word that you wrote down. Well, I can't. That's a lie. No, it's not a lie. Because what comes out of the spirit is truth. What comes out of the flesh is a lie. Are you getting this? I hope you are because God wants to stir you up. I want to read to you. Brother Copeland in his book, I just read this today. I'm most thankful when God, when I get on God's page, you know, and it's this is really for tomorrow, but we can use it today. He says, uh, he's talking about calling those things that are not as though they were. You know, we're always talking about the way it is. We don't talk about the way it is, is in the natural. We talk about the way it is, is in the spirit By his stripes I am healed. You may be sick, but you declare what the word of God says because the word works. The word has power. So it says there's a vast difference between lying and speaking by faith. A lie is meant to deceive someone. God doesn't deceive anybody. God is a man, not a man that he should lie. God tells truth. The word of God is truth. So it says, but to speak by faith is simply to speak words that agree with the word of God. So the thing that God tells you in your life that you're called to do, you write that down. You say, this looks impossible. When I got that word and I told God he dialed up the wrong person in August of 1979, I thought, dear Lord, he has really, I mean, they have missed it in heaven tonight. This cannot be God. And then he said to me, and I will send you a man and he will love you like Christ loves you. I thought, I don't think there's a man on earth, excuse me, but I, it was not a good time for me. I just said, there's not a man on earth who's going to act like that that I've run into. And I'd already told God, I don't want anybody to talk to me. I don't want to be tempted, just keep men out of my life. I'll tell you, you tell God that, he'll be faithful. Three years later, nobody ever talked to me. People try to get me fixed up. The guys would just disappear off the face of the earth. I'm telling faster than you can think. One guy got married. He wasn't even thinking of ever getting married. And he got married because somebody tried to fix me up with him. I thought, you want to sure mate? Try to fix somebody up with me. They'll be married in a flesh. Hallelujah. God will get them on there. So God God knows about you. Everybody say, God knows about you. Watch what you pray. But, but, you know, I didn't think there could be a man like that. But then he gave me Pastor Bill. And he's like that all the time. Well, pretty much all the time. <laughs> Only when I drive him over the edge does he become different. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you that God knows, and he's got a timetable. Everybody say a timetable. My first date with Pastor Bill was Valentine's Day, and he lied and took me to a really nice place, but he got me there, hallelujah. He had to lie to get me to this restaurant that revolves around down in Indianapolis, but we got there on Valentine's Day. I had never dated a guy in forever, and he asked me out on Valentine's Day. Now, that's God. God knows about Valentine's Day. See, you think it's just Cupid. It is not Cupid. (laughs) God has a perfect mate for people. And he wants us to have good marriages and good homes. And then he gave me Pastor Bill. And there is a man on earth who will love me like Christ loves me. He's sitting right there. Hallelujah. You can't have him. He's all mine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So anyway, this this is what Brother Copeland says, and I believe it. It's speaking from your spirit instead of speaking from your mind. Now, there is a huge difference. And in my walk with the Lord, I'm telling you, of all the things that God has shown me, he has spoken to me many times, I need your faith. I think, well, why do you need my faith? Well, it says in Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God without faith. So that's a real good reason, number one, to walk in faith if you want to please God. How many of you have said, you know, I think I'll do this, this, and this, and it'll please God. The Bible says what pleases God is faith. And faith is saying God is in control. My scripture that I just say all the time when I pray is God is perfecting everything that concerns me. Psalm 138.8. That's what it says. My children concern me. My relatives concern me. All the people that I love, they concern me. You all concern, concern me in this church. So when I say God's perfecting everything that concerns me, that covers a whole lot of people. Amen. But I believe that it's the word of God. And that's, he knows who concerns me. He knows who he's put in my heart to, uh, to pray for and to, to stand for. And so God's perfecting those things that concern me. In his time, everybody say in his time, he makes all things beautiful. Um, I, I wanted to share these few things that, that I have learned over time that makes me believe that it's faith. Everybody say faith, faith. That moves the hand of God. And if you cannot walk by faith, you will mess up the timing of God. Because everything that God is going to do is based on his timetable. And most of the time, you don't know when that is going to come to pass or how he's going to do it. But if you can recognize what I'm doing today is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, I know all of you are going to think, I don't want to do this. Where, wherever you're at, I don't want to be in this marriage. I don't, want to, I don't want to have this job. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm telling you, stop right now tonight and say, where I am, God knows about. Because he does. Say that. Where I am, where I am. God, knows. God knows. See, he knows where you are tonight. And if he wants you to be somewhere else, he will come get you. And you say, but he hasn't gotten here fast enough. Well, if you get out of that place ahead of God's timing... He can't get there fast enough. I'm telling you, you will not like where you end up. Because I have been on the other side of deception. And I know what it's like over on that side of the planet. You do not want to live in that place. You want to live in the perfect will of God for your life. When Pastor Bill and I moved to Tulsa, and I'm going to go real fast here, but I just want to share a few things. Some of you have not been here a long time. You don't even know who we are. And once you know, you need to promise to keep coming back. Hallelujah. (laughs) Anything's possible to god we preach that because we are that hallelujah And so when I met pastor bill, we got married. We moved to tulsa pastor bill Was sure of what god was going to do with him and uh, There was no telling him any different He had heard from god and he was going to drive lincoln's and he was going to go to R.U. and he was going to show Him how to run the place End of story Well, he ended up not doing that and so he ended up working for a place called snelling and snelling and, and it was the same place he had worked for here. And he gets out there to Tulsa. God said to me that Bill was going to go to Bible school. I said, you might want to tell him that. Because he's already told me, you're called to do things for God. I can see that. I'm not. So I'll work and make money so you can do what God's got for you to do. Well, I heard God say he was going to Bible school. And I hadn't learned this much. And, and if you've not learned this, it's a really good thing to learn. Don't be the Holy Ghost. Because there won't be anything holy about you. And the person who's listening to you would will not pay any attention. Amen. My husband learned everything from somebody else. Hallelujah, it was not me. I prayed, and he learned from somebody else. And uh, it works much better that way. I just give you that right off the top. Okay. So... I begin to pray, Lord, you'll have to show him he's going to Bible school. Well, he, did, he doesn't always tell me everything. I don't know about you other ladies that are married, but my husband does not always tell me everything. I'd like to know everything, but he doesn't feel, amen, but he doesn't always tell me. And so I did not know that God had spoken to him and told him that he was called. And Bill had said to, to the Lord, if you're calling me, you have Pastor Billy Joe Doherty Call me up in front of the whole congregation. Now, Pastor Billy Joe Dor didn't even know who he was. I didn't know he prayed that prayer. Boy, he's really making a heart on God. I'm telling you. This is a church of 3,000 people in the sanctuary flat like this with 1,500 people in there every Wednesday night. And he had prayed that prayer. I didn't know it. But I kept praying. The girl who led me to the Lord came to visit me. I told her, I just believe God's told me Bill's going to go to Bible school. She said, oh, I believe it. I believe, I believe he's called. And, uh, and, and so we went to church one night, and we're sitting there, and you've heard Pastor Bill tell this. Pastor Billy Joe gets up to pray for this Alf Ekman, a guy who's over in Sweden right now, got ready to pray for him. And he's standing down, That comes down off the big platform, down on the floor, looks over all those people, has us all standing, and he goes, You, you back there, you know, you with the love of Jesus all over you. And I mean, all these people start parting. <laughs> and I'm standing next to him. And I'm thinking, I wonder who it is, you know? And, hallelujah! And uh, all of a sudden, I look at Bill, and he is like stone. I mean, he's just like, and he goes, and he goes, yeah, you. And Diane, the, the girl that led me to the Lord, she nudges me, and she goes, look at that. I go, I know. Look at that. You know <laughs> Man, he goes up there, and he had never prayed in his life, out loud in front of anybody. And so he comes back. Sits down, doesn't say a word. I mean, she and I are like two cackling hens. We're so excited. It's God, it's God. He's going, he's going. Oh, yes, he is, yes, he is. Yes. And uh, we get home and she can't resist it. So she said to him, Did God, you know, how many of you remember Lady Di? Yeah. Did, doc, did God say something to you tonight, Bill? He goes, No. And he walked out. And as soon as he left the kitchen, we go, Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He's going, hallelujah, it's over. And uh, so, you know, <laughs> it, didn't go, it didn't happen right away, though. Didn't have, this was May. Well, in July, they hired me at Victory Christian Center in the school to be over the office. And when they hired me, the man I worked for, he said, do you know, because the Lord had said to me, he's going to go two years to Bible school. I thought, we're going to be lucky if he ever comes to one. Because he says he's not going Well, they shut the business that he worked for right before the Bible school opened. I was working in the school. All my kids got to go for half tuition to the Christian school. And my husband got to go to VBI for half, if he go. And then Dr. Demuse said to me, we're going to change this Bible school to a two-year school starting with this program this year. So this will be year one and this will be year two. Because I knew you were supposed to go two and it was only a one-year school. Everybody say timing. So Pastor Bill gets in school. He's doing really good. I get to talk about you. See, when he preached, he talked about me, didn't he? Church. I was see. So here we go. And so, so Pastor Bill, I'm talking about timing. Everybody say timing. Now we neither one knew what God was doing at this point. We had no clue. I mean, we didn't think about us being in ministry because we were divorced people. So, but we knew he was going to Bible school. So his business closed. He started a Bible school, and about halfway through that year, he decided. I can't do this. We didn't have any money. We, we were to the place where we did not have any money. Anybody, everybody say, any money? any money? And so he decided to quit Bible school and go work at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. What's the Jaws tune? That was what it was like. We were fixing to be in big trouble. We had a little Datsun 210. He had to be taken to work. We shared this car. We had all of our kids. We rolled John up in the back. And, and then we put the other kids. In the middle of all that, two of Bill's sons ended up coming to live with us. So it, we had to put four of them in the bedroom we were supposed to be in. Bill and I had to go in this tiny bedroom. And so he's working at McDonald's. It is like awful. Everybody say awful. I mean, this is like being in the belly of the whale. And, and so finally I was praying, God, please fix this. Please fix this. Now some of you ladies may say, I'm not suffering for him. Well, guess what? You are one, and if one suffers, the other suffers. Hallelujah. Whichever way it is. And so we went through that like for four months, for four months. One morning, God spoke to me. Bill was in the shower. It was like I had to take him to work. It was like four in the morning. And the Lord said to me, he has to go back to Bible school right now to stay on my timetable. Everybody say timetable. I mean, I heard it clearly he comes out of the shower, comes up to me. He said, I mean, he was white. I have to go back to Bible school right now. God said in the shower, I have to go back right now. I said, thank you, Jesus. There is a God. And so he quit McDonald's and he went back to Bible school and we stayed on track. They let him make it up. He was going to year one at the same time as he was going to year two, but we got through there and he ended up Being the director of that Bible school, none of the glory to us, only because of God and his timetable. Everybody say timetable. Because we had a destination, which was Lafayette, Indiana, which Pastor Bill said, we will never go there. (laughs) We are not going there. But God said we were coming here. God told me we were coming here. I don't know why God tells me, except for this. Everybody say faith. And so God told me, you are going to go there and start a work. And so for the next six years, that's what I began to have to believe. Everybody say believe. Believe. And I had to say that out loud. Everybody say out loud. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And my husband was saying, we're staying here with Billy, Joe, and Sharon Doherty till Jesus comes. But I heard God say, we are going to Lafayette, Indiana. So I never would say that. I didn't tell him that. I didn't confess it to him. I just spoke it out loud and said it to myself because God would not release me from it. I asked God. He told me, could you please not think we're going to Lafayette? Then one day, he got really upset with me and said, why can't you hear Lafayette? Or why can't you hear Indianapolis? And I said, why can't you hear Lafayette? And he went off walking by himself. And then two days later, he came to me and said, I'm sorry, you're right. God told me we are going to Lafayette. Amen. And here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Now, I was the one who had to stand the gap so he could be all he was called to be. There were times where he had to stand the gap so I could be all I was called to be. I'm not saying that it's always easy to say what God says about you. But I tell you, I promise every one of you, God has said something good. He has said something really good about you. Now, a lot of other people maybe have said something really bad. But that doesn't count. What counts is, what did God say? Because God has a time. He has a season. He has a purpose. And every one of you are special in God's sight. Every one of you. My uncle that's sitting back there. Uncle Gene, you've heard that story. Uncle Gene... Uh, had a real opportunity with alcohol, and I gotta tell this really fast. So he he we we prayed with him, and he received Jesus. He lived up in Michigan City, had lost a lot of things in his life. You wonder why we can believe for the impossible? Take a look at us, my uncle Gene. Other things that we've had to believe for. God uses faith. Everybody say faith. I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning by my husband, and the Lord said to me, "Gene will be." the administrator, an administrator in the Christian school. I thought, no, he can't be God because you know, he, he's, he's drinking again. He got saved, but he's drinking again because there wasn't anybody there to help him grow in the word of God. But I said to Bill, Gene's going to be the <laughs> administrator in a Christian school. And we both kind of laughed. Sorry, Uncle Gene. It was, you know, and uh, I told my sister and I told my mom and dad and I, And, and, you know, they said, now, now, you know, they sometimes think I get carried away. But I said, I'm telling you, God told me he is going to be this. I thought he was going to be the administrator in our Christian school. We don't know if he's off the hook for that yet. (laughs) Hallelujah. But he ended up, it ended up, he called me one day and he said, I'm coming to Tulsa. Can you get me in the City of Faith rehab place? I know I'm supposed to come. I said, come on down. He came, he went in that place, they prayed for him, and today and ever since then, he's walking with Jesus, he's teaching, he's doing the things God called him to do. God's timing is perfect, and he never gives up. He never gives up. He will keep working. It was the seventh rehab, the number seven, the number of completion. He made it, and God brought him through. He calls me the warden, but that's okay. Hallelujah. He tells you, he says, I'm the warden, but you know what? God will find somebody who will believe God and believe God about you. But if he can't find anybody, he'll find you and he'll tell you, start believing. Start believing because faith keeps you on the timetable of God. And Tria, you have to believe. You have to keep believing. I know it's hard. You're a single mom. I was there and going to college. I'm proud of you. And God is proud of you. But don't you let go of what you heard. You say it over yourself every day if you have to. Because when you believe and you walk with God, there is nothing that is impossible to Him. He will get you where you're supposed to be. Amen? Amen. You got to stay on time, stay in faith. Amen? Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Yeah, God loves us. God loves us. You need to be here on Sunday. It's keep silent. Hallelujah. You might call your friends. Hallelujah! But it's a positive message. This will bring, this will bring relief. Hallelujah. <laughs> it will not be a punishment. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, I, I know that the things that you have done for Bill and I in our lives and for our children, uh, for our grandchildren, the things that you're doing. You have brought us to this city, to this congregation for this night to tell all these people, I love all of you just the same. I love all of you just the same. And I'm no respecter of persons. You may have fouled it up big time, but there's only one thing God's asking tonight. And that is, are you willing to get back into his time frame for your life? He can get you there quickly. Nothing you've done has stopped the will and plan of God. It might have hindered it a little bit. Might have taken a little bit of extra time to get there. But you will get there. You will get there. If you make a decision tonight, I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. I'm going to start, stop living after my flesh. And I'm going to start living for the kingdom of God. I'm not going to go in my own way. I am going to reach the place that God has destined for me to reach. And I'm going to stay on time. Now you may be here tonight. You've never received Jesus. The beginning of life is when you know Christ. It says that you will begin to live when you walk by faith. That means you'll begin to experience prosperity. You begin to experience truth. You begin to experience a way that you have never known before. Where God begins to make up the difference where you cannot. And I say to you tonight, if you're here and you've never received Jesus, this is your night to receive Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've received Jesus, but you're not walking in that place that God's called you to walk, I want you to lift your hand real quickly, and I'm going to pray for you right where you are. Don't think about it too long because the enemy will talk you out of it. But if that's you and you're here tonight, you've never received Jesus or you've known the Lord, and you know tonight, you know, I'm not walking where I need to. To walk in the blessings that God has prepared for me. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand, believers. Will you just pray? We don't want anybody to leave here tonight, not knowing Jesus, not walking with Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you are here tonight? And say, I might be off God's timetable just a little bit. Can you lift your hand? I might have, <laughs> I might be off just the tad. That's you, you know. You know that's you. Okay, Father, you see these hands. You see these hands. Now, Lord, tonight, we're believing that you sent your word into this place tonight to bring life, to bring wholeness, to turn things around in the lives of those who are open to have their lives turned around. And I see these hands, and that says, I I want things to change. I believe with you tonight for change. I believe with you tonight for change. Holy Spirit, you see him. Would you just come down here if that's you real quick? We have five minutes. I promise you'll be out on time, but if that's you and you raised your hand, I want you to come down here. You say, you know, I might be off the timetable just a little. I want to pray for you. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me.